Women want, you know, a minute to take a deep breath. Women want rest. Women want peace. Women want good food and good sex. Women want safety for their children and safety for other people's children. Women want less war and more love. Like what women want should be the blueprints of heaven, right? She'd be the marching orders of all of us. And the thing is that what women want is dangerous. That's why they are trying to scare us about what we want. Because if women actually went for what we want, all of those things that I listed, imbalanced relationships would fall. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. It is time to spring back with Abby Wambach and Glennon Doyle this week. And I've got some new thoughts about finding your truth along with incredible insights from Abby and Glennon, drawn from our original podcast chat. Hey everyone, welcome back to the For the Love podcast. It's your happy host, Jen Hatmaker here. I am thrilled that you've joined us today and you're gonna be too. We are currently in the midst of our Spring Back series where we are bringing you some of our absolute favorite interviews from For the Love Past with guests we adore and you adore with a bunch of added commentary from me. I'm front-loading my own updated commentary. So we wanted to take some time to look back at all that we have heard and learned and focus on the truths that stay steady throughout our lives and inform us well today, right? What's evergreen here for us? So our featured guests today are all about living out this truth. But before we dive into who we're hearing from this week, I want you to think about this. Do you ever think your life would just like look different if you lived it to like please and honor yourself. Now hold on, because what I'm not saying, this is not like some selfish, you know, live as you please and who cares about anyone else and who cares, you know, that's not at all what I'm saying. I would never say that. But it's just that, well, for the women, for sure. We have been taught from the day we were born that we are supposed to live to please others, to meet the expectations of others, to manage all the needs and wants of others, right? There's this host of things that we were told growing up as the way we were, quote, supposed to be, right? As lovely, good women. Lovely, good girls who grow up into lovely, good women, like in some way, we're supposed to be, you know, well-mannered, maybe even demure. We're supposed to be amicable and easygoing, right? Keeping everybody comfortable all the time, letting everything roll off our shoulders. We're supposed to be patient and kind, regardless and always. We're supposed to put everyone else first at all times, right? We're supposed to be flexible, available, understanding, And then, of course, don't forget, look good, smile, be presentable. And it's funny because I, you know, I can imagine how that list maybe sounds coming through your AirPods, which is that individually these qualities can be admirable, right? Kind of a tutorial on how to live in the world, maybe with some sort of a mismanners vibe. But when it leaves no room for who we actually are, for our needs and our wants and our desires, our boundaries, our instincts, and all those expectations just overshadow our own voice, really our own agency over our life. That is when we began to lean into this like danger zone of living inauthentically, like absolutely out of alignment, out of integrity. So how do we draw the line 
as to what qualities are good ones to adopt or when even to put them in rotation. There is a moment to be easygoing, right? There's a moment where that's appropriate. There is a moment to be well-mannered. I'm not saying that those things are carte blanche terrible, but when and how do we put them into rotation and when do we have them take a back seat, right? When do some of our other qualities get to be in the driver's seat? These are great questions that we can ask that sort of fly in the face of what's expected, right? Who are you meant to be is a great one to start with. Let's start there. And really think about this. And while you do, I want to try to like unwind what is wrapped up in what others think who you're meant to be, right? So this could be your family of origin. It could be your church. It could be your partner, whoever, who they say you should be. And really think about who you are, like who you are in your core. I'm not, I'm not talking about what you do. I'm talking about like who you are and how you flourish on this earth, what brings you joy, what you love, you know, what are you drawn toward? Maybe it's, maybe it is like parenting and family. Maybe that was, maybe that is your heart's greatest desire. And that is exactly how and where you flourish. Maybe you are meant to be a leader, that your strengths lie in guiding and instructing and steering the ship, right? Maybe you are a creative and you really come alive making beautiful things, right? Even though other people maybe just want you to be practical. So don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes we do what we need to do. It's not like every second of every day is just bent around our wishes and preferences. That's silly and I'm not saying that. So let's not chase a red herring here, right? And also every one of us struggles with a voice in our head that tells us that some path isn't for us. Like this is our own mean voice, right? Or we're not good enough to get there or we don't deserve it or that's for other people or that's out of reach. But if we go a little deeper, sometimes we'll find that voice in our heads that holds us back is really a compilation of other voices, right? It's this this amalgamation of voices from our childhood, from our experiences, sometimes from our traumas, from our subcultures, from our group norms, whatever group you are in, right? If we can find the courage to push past all those voices to find our own little still small inner voice that has never wavered, it's always been there and it's always been the same, we can start to uncover our truth. So guys, both of our guests this week have done this work to push past any of those any of those limiting voices to embrace like who am i who am i who am i on this earth and they are two of our favorite people on the planet in the for the love world in the gin hatmaker world an amazing force together <laughs> as a married couple so of course i'm talking about author and speaker and activist all, they're both all those things, Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach. You know them and you love them, same. So of course, Glennon is the writer of the internationally acclaimed New York Times bestseller, Untamed, which just hit 2 million copies sold, the rarest of air. Oh, hey, no big deal, but it's also being turned into a TV show. So tra-la-la. Not only that, she was called the patron saint of female empowerment by People Magazine. (laughs) Put that on your bio. And then there's Abby, my beloved Abby. I'm so obsessed, and she knows it, and Glennon knows it too. 
<laughs> oh, I love her. I mean, obviously, she's a soccer icon. She's an international soccer icon. She's also a New York Times bestselling author. She's also an activist for equality and inclusion. Her book, Wolfpack, was inspired by her viral commencement speech at Barnard in 2018, where she called all women to unleash their individual power to unite and emerge victorious. It was incredible. Oh, and this is boring, but she's also a two-time Olympic champion and FIFA World Cup champion. So there's that. So since their first time on the show, Abby and Glennon have continued to take the world by storm while really and truly encouraging women to stand up for what they deserve, for the life they're meant to live, unleashing all this potential that lies in the heart of every human person. Really, like, uh, it's like, it's freedom is what it is. That's the word. During 2021's celebration of Women's History Month, these two appeared on CBS This Morning where they called out the inequality that women face during the pandemic. Like, they're just not messing around. They don't back down. They're not here for it. It's incredible, like, because of course, not only did, by the way, if you don't know that, not only did more women leave the workplace than ever before, but they did so because it was expected that they care for the family during the pandemic, right? That they were the ones to, to make the adjustments. They were the ones to turn their own personal dial. So of course, this stemmed from workplace misogyny and unequal pay rates and unrealistic standards set by society while standing up and asking all corporations to invite women to the table during this important discussion, Abby and Glennon are also raising their own family and teaching their kids how to be strong in their own convictions and beliefs wherever those bring them. So, you know, these are my friends, really good friends, and they have meant the world to me and they have loved me well. And we have partnered together in a million ways and I believe in them. I do. I believe in them. I, I love this freedom they are unleashing into the world for women, really all people groups, anybody, anybody who has certainly been marginalized or oppressed or kept out or kept down. This is where they go. Their first episodes were, of course, loved and adored by you, our listeners, and trust us, we get it. Glennon took the time to explain to us that we are not the unachievable expectations placed upon our shoulders. We are so much more. And that if we truly take the time to believe in what we are capable of and uncover not just who we want to be, but who we are, we can and will reach that person. And from Abby, of course, we saw her find her way to this natural leadership ability. And by leaning into that, how she was able to be not just a leader in the soccer world, but now imparting that secret sauce toward finding where you can lead and how businesses could lead. I mean, it's just expanded beyond all measure. And so these women have taught me a lot both of them in their own right, and then together as a couple. They lent me some courage to step into my own life, to step into my own needs and boundaries, to say, I do deserve this and I don't deserve that. And it's interesting because I have watched the, the people in my life flourish more because of it, right? Like women who show up for their own lives, it isn't at the expense of everyone else. Ultimately, it's to their benefit. And that is exactly how I've seen this play out in my life. So here we go. A few wonderful moments from my chat with Glennon Doyle first, and then words from 
her amazing wife and my friend, Abby Wilmack. Thus far, and I'm not done with the book, so I reserve the right to change this to something else if I decide it. But thus far, I can tell by my dog ears and my underlines that the chapter that I have loved the most is the chapter they wrote called Imagine. Everything about it felt like it was just as close to me as my own skin. I want to read a little bit, if you don't mind. This is something that you wrote. You said, in order to get beyond our training, and of course, listener, by training, she means trained to follow the bunny, you know, all the wild gone. We need to activate our imaginations. Our minds are excuse makers. Our imaginations are storytellers. So instead of asking ourselves what's right or wrong, we must ask ourselves what is true and beautiful. That hit me exactly and squarely between the eyes. In fact, in Fierce, I was in a chapter where I was just talking about spiritual curiosity. That's the name of the chapter. I believe in spiritual curiosity. Nobody does. And I said, you know, in whatever faith community we've chosen, our questions should evolve. It's so similar. We no longer ask, what are the rules? What is the line? Who is in and who is out? Who is right and who is wrong? What's allowed? Wonderfully, we begin to ask instead, where's the life? What does flourishing look like? What feels and sounds like joy and love? And that is essentially exactly what you handed here. And then you went on to say this. Thank you for letting me yammer about your own writing. Each honored, you wrote this in Imagine, each honored her own discontent. You were talking about women who've written to you. She did not dismiss it, bury it, deflect it, deny it, blame it on someone else, or tell herself to shut up and be grateful. She heard her knowing whisper, not this. And she admitted to herself that she heard it. Can you just talk about that a little bit more about how you got to that point and what learning to trust yourself has meant to you and to your life? Well, I mean, I think they're related, right? I mean, no shade to anyone, but I do think that we wonder why we don't trust ourselves. But I mean, the tenet of our major religion is that we are bad and can't trust ourselves. And our bodies are bad, especially women, of course. Right. We can be forgiven for taking a lifetime to return to the idea that, in fact, we can trust ourselves because we have been taught by our religions, by our politicians, by our diet, rape culture, diet, every single place that messages can come from have been told to women that they shouldn't trust themselves and that they're bad and that they should not lead their lives and their families and their communities they should decorate and serve, right? So yes. of course, that's been our taming for a lifetime. It's going to take a while to untame from that. And I think one of the ways what we're talking about, you and I, in these parts of our books is the idea that you can't do, when your brain is sort of polluted by all of these ideas, by all of this taming, it's like the, you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it, right? Yes. So when you return to your mind to free yourself from your caged mind, it's just not how it works at first. Like eventually you can intellectualize it, but first you have to feel it, right? So look at Tabitha. If she had only, okay, she's a freaking cheetah. I'm really, you know, I'm making her seem like a person, but she's, if she only looks at what she sees, she's never going to know what's possible, right? So, so what we do is if we say right and wrong, I mean, I'll never forget figuring this out. Like I, when I was trying to figure out what to do after the infidelity in my marriage, I read, you know, like a good spiritual guru, I tried to get most of my knowledge from like freaking BuzzFeed quizzes sure. and Google, right? Yeah, because sure. that's what you do with your one wild and precious life. You ask 
bunch of bots what to do. So what I discovered over time is that every pack told me that, that the right thing was something different, right? So like the feminists were telling me that the right thing to do would be leave. That's right. The religious people were telling me that the right thing to do, what a good wife would do, what someone should do is to stay. The parenting people were telling me the, the good thing to do, the right thing to do is to like use everything as a parenting. What I realized is, oh, okay, if all of these different packs have different ideas about what is good and what should happen and what is right, then good, should, and right are not pure ideas. They are culturally constructed ideas and they are designed to keep the members in the pack. And so if we want to live a life that's true to ourselves and that is not just chasing pink bunnies that some zookeepers created to keep us in line, then we have to return to ourselves and stop looking outward for what is true and beautiful. And the way that I found to do this is to sort of speak bilingually to women. And I'm not kidding. Like when they would say to me, my marriage is falling apart and I'm unhappy and I'm blah, blah, blah. What is the right thing to do? Okay. Whenever I hear that word, right, I just translate it. Okay. When you ask me what you should do, when you ask me, what is the right thing to do? I will say to you, okay, can you tell me the truest, most beautiful story you can imagine about marriage? Right? When somebody doesn't know what they should do with their career, what they should do with their purpose, can you tell me a story? Can you tell me a story of the truest, most beautiful career or ways to use your gifts down here that you can imagine? And suddenly there is a release, right? Like, okay, so we're not like in this cage of should, shouldn't. We're not chasing dirty pink bunnies anymore. We are returning to this place inside of us where this was already planted. Right, exactly. All right, ladies, do you belong to the Bad Bras Club? Was the best part of our quarantined pandemic lives not having to wear a bra? I've been there too, of course, but not anymore. That is because I found Third Love. They are the most comfortable bras I've ever owned. And they're pretty too, because we deserve that. I literally have a whole drawer full of them, including their classic t-shirt bra. Dears, we can do hard things, but wearing a bra should not be one of them. And now that we are transitioning back into public life, it's time to give up the uncomfortable bras, all right? The ones that you dread wearing, the ones that are ill-fitting or falling apart at the seams. Third Love has an easy button for finding your perfect fit. They have a fitting room quiz that focuses on size, shape, current fit issues, and your personal style so that you can easily find bras and underwear that are actually perfect for you. What I also love is that they invented half cup sizes and they can carry double the type of sizes as most other brands because sometimes we don't easily fit into a straight A, B, C, D, or whatever letter you are. And Third Love uses millions of real women's measurements, not size templates, to create their products. They've also recently introduced loungewear that's insanely comfy and perfect for work from home or lazy Sundays on the couch or even weekend outings. It's sized extra small all the way to triple X. We all deserve to feel comfortable and confident. That core belief drives Third Love right down to how they give back. To date, they've donated more than $40 million in bras to women in need. Incredible. So treat yourself with something that fits like it was made just for you with Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash for the love and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash for the love to save 20%. And by the way, 
the reason why we can't do could, should, and good, and right and wrong is because there is no norm. Right. Right. There is no right way to do family. There is no right way to parent. There are no maps. Like we are each and every single one of us a pioneer, and each of us are here to to create and express an idea of love, an idea of family, an idea of faith that is true to our most inner being, this treasure hunt of this jewel that was placed inside of us. And there is something about asking a person to imagine the truest, most beautiful story that makes them breathe and start explaining it. Yes, because it's there. Because it's there. It's there, and it's different for everyone. And when you hear people's stories, you realize, oh, my gosh, none of this was supposed to be cookie cutter, right? It's all so different and so beautiful. But what I have found, Jen, is that people are afraid to do that. Yes. Because once they admit that they can imagine more, there's this space where there's no going back from. Yep. Right? And so you can't unknow that. You can't unknow. You can't unknow what you just admitted you can imagine. So what I think is super important for people is don't worry about the doing yet. Because I think the doing, the oh, but I can't do that, it doesn't matter. Why bother imagining a more beautiful marriage? Because it doesn't matter. I can't do anything about it. Okay, forget the doing. Just for a little while, imagine it up, conjure it up, write it out, right? There is something about it existing. It's like what we can imagine comes to life in one dimension at a time. That's right. right? When we can admit it to ourselves first, that's a dimension. When we can get it on a piece of paper, right? That's a dimension. If we can get it on a piece of paper, it's more likely eventually to come true. It's like an architect. Nobody starts from a dream in their head to building, right? There are the plans we write up first. So I just think it's a way, I mean, all of this, we, we, we speak about it spiritually, but we could also speak about it scientifically. I mean, what I'm talking about with the Timmy is just social conditioning, right? It's, we're all born wild. We, most of us have a few good years of childhood where we live as our true selves and then our social programming starts, right? We're born into zoos. We're born into institutions like families, like communities, like nations, like economies. And we are born with an instinct knowing that we need our pack, right? To survive. And when our pack tells us you are a hat maker, you are a Christian, you are a girl, you are straight, you are these things. And this is what a good hat maker does and a good girl does and a good woman does. We just start falling in line. That's right. And we know, how many people do you know who are towing the line for their religion when they know inside that a lot of what's going on is not true to them and is not right, but they don't say it on the outside? Tons, tons. But that sense of potentially losing your belonging is a powerful disincentive. (laughs) And you said just a minute ago, people are scared, and they are, and for more than one reason. Mm -hmm. But as you describe sort of the path, when I look internally at every area in my life where I am free now, but where I was even recently entangled or in bondage or lying to myself and other people, that was also my path out. It was just that simple. It started small and internally. To me, what's true and beautiful is a wonderful North Star. Like that clears away a lot of the crap. That that takes away a lot of the words we put onto ideas and to possibility. It's like fresh air. What's true and beautiful? Like that question internally for me was the beginning. And so it's not small. You're saying like that's step one and it is, but it's a big one to admit that even be able to say this version of this thing is not true and beautiful. That's so hard to say because it's inevitable that after that's going to be dismantling and that's so disruptive. 
And it's going to threaten so many things. It's going to threaten our own identity. It's going to threaten our relationships. It's going to threaten the little subculture that we belong in, whichever one it is. And so for you to just say, do it a dimension at a time. Yes. And I think one of the reasons why we're scared of that is because we have been trained to be scared of that, right? Yes. Because once, once we say this is not true and beautiful, that is another way of a woman saying this is not good enough. I am not just grateful. I want more. And we have been trained to believe that the worst thing a woman can do is want more, right? Absolutely. We only have sanctions. Sorry. Right? Women can want a few things, but they're like in a little tiny pool of approved ones. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, real quick, the first story I ever learned about God is that God made Adam and they were like besties. And then, well, it was just the two bros, everything was awesome. And then Adam got bored and stressed out. And so God made a woman and then the woman wanted more. And so all hell broke loose and suffering was unleashed on the earth and go with God girls. Yeah. So we can be forgiven for being scared that we are not allowed to want more. But the thing is that that's the answer. Women wanting more is the answer. I mean, we've been trained to be so afraid of our desires. But Jen, you and I, our job is to talk and listen to women, right? I listen to the deep desires of women for a living, okay? And what women want is true and beautiful, right? Women want, you know, a minute to take a deep breath. Women want rest. Women want peace. Women want good food and good sex. Women want safety for their children and safety for other people's children. Women want less war and more love. Like What women want should be the blueprints of heaven, Right? She'd be the marching orders of all of us. And the thing is that what women want is dangerous. That's why they are trying to scare us about what we want. Because if women actually went for what we want, all of those things that I listed, imbalanced relationships would fall, right? Dreams would be realized. Corrupt governments would topple. Institutions would fall. And that's the world would end. And that's exactly what we want, right? So that we can rebuild lives and relationships and institutions and religions and nations that are built on justice. I could not agree more. The women in my world that I love and serve and lead and listen to are just the greatest. I mean, they are just the greatest. If they were free in their lives, if they were unleashed, if they were wild, I just, there isn't an injustice on earth that they're not prepared to upend. Not one. Even though your family might be in all different places around the U.S. or even the world, learning about your family history can bring you together. That's because when we get closer to our ancestors by learning their stories, we have a new way to get closer to our immediate and extended families. I think this is so special and so needed, especially now. But like, how do you even know where to begin? At least that's the big question I was asking when I first started piecing together our family tree, because it can be difficult to know even where to start looking. That's why I'm a big fan of Ancestry, because they help put the puzzle pieces together for you so you can make discoveries you might not otherwise have ever known about. How cool is that? With Ancestry, you search billions of records to learn about the people you come from and the lives they led. Maybe you even find you have common ground that connects you. They basically do all the legwork and you get the fun of seeing the results. Ancestry can help you connect branches of your tree, whether it's family you've always known or family you've never met. 
So go to Ancestry.com slash For the Love to start a free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash For the Love. When along the way did you start to understand that you sincerely had the gift of leadership, not just soccer, not just scoring goals, but leadership. And I'm, I'm curious if that excited you or if that scared you or maybe both. Yeah. Well, I have to go back to the beginning because, um, truly this has been kind of an ongoing struggle. I would say, I wouldn't even say a responsibility or an honor. It, 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 you know, being a leader is a struggle and that's a struggle that most leaders have to constantly embrace. So every single team that I played on growing up, um, I found myself to be one of the best players. It was just what happened. I was scoring goals, not necessarily my fault or because of me, it was just like, that was my job. That was what I did. And, and often when, especially when you're really young, if you are scoring goals, they, uh, assume you to be some sort of leader. And yeah. I think because of the time that I was young and I was given this challenge of holding people's complete um, confidence, because when you're one of the best players and you know it, and when you, you walk into a room and you think, and you can feel everybody's attention turned to you, one of the things that I always would, that I, that I promised myself to always work on is to make sure that everybody in the room see, is seen mm, because I, I know what it's like to be the attention getter. And I want to make sure that everybody on that team or everybody in that room has a voice and they feel, they feel seen and heard. Um, and that has literally been what I've practiced since I'm yep. a little kid. And I don't know, I think it's because being the youngest and I didn't get a lot of attention. I think as I grew older and got on the net and watched some of these older players um, and, and the way in which they chose to lead was different than the way that I would choose to lead. Uh, and the, the, yeah. the team that I stepped into generationally was different than the team that I started on. And I think that that is all that's so it's a very small thing that people don't realize that and it's a detail that people don't understand that. 20 years ago, a coach or a captain could stand up in front of the team and say, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And then the team would go and do it. Right but now is a totally different ball game. You as a leader and as a coach, you actually have to figure out individually what motivates each player. Because when you gather a group of people together, the best way to come out with a best plan or 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 the most um, or the most goals or or the the win is to make sure that everybody has a voice and everybody has a say and everybody has a turn and that is how you actually create championship teams it's not one or two pers- two people making the decisions that is like so t- 20 years ago, the modern way of leadership is uh, is getting the best people in the room, coming up with the best plan together, and then the, creating the strategy to then go unleash on whoever you're playing against, whatever it is we're talking about. Yeah, totally. So, so I think that, you know, for me, I really struggled early on in my leadership when, when, when the older players left and I was now, this is kind of, this team was dawned, like, Abby, here you go, here, here are the keys. And I tried to be what they were. Did you? But 
what I found is over the years is, oh, and, and thank goodness Pia came into my life because mm. she showed up and showed her specific, unique version of what leadership looks like. Oh, yeah. Talk about that for just a second for those oh, who don't gosh. know. Oh, my gosh. It was so life-changing. And up until this point, I had only really been coached by um, not just men, but but women who operated sure. like men yeah. and, and, and showed up into the environment um, you know, believing and, and talking and just being like really stern and hardcore of course, and not embracing the full beauty of their femininity. And I think Mm. that that's what Pia did so well. She embraced the full beingness of who she was, both her feminine parts and her masculine parts. And Mm. she just brought her total self to the team. And then what she also did, which is what is the most difficult thing for a leader to do because you have to give away some control is you have to let everybody around you bring them their full selves to the table too. And, um, and you have to find ways to connect all of those people rather than searching for ways. Cause it's a very American trait. Like, Oh, this doesn't fit. You're out. This doesn't, fit you're out and it's like once you believe this one thing then you're all the way over in this camp and you're not you don't belong over in this camp anymore that's all bs like i think i think that's why teams are such a great equalizer in our world today because we can kind of slice through the politics and the 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 bs of it all and still be sitting with each other at the end of the day it's like we're actually just like people and we're allowed to believe in different things and we still can sit and break bread like let's be real here totally so long story short, Pia shows up and she plays us this song, very first meeting with her guitar. And like for the first part of the song, I was like thinking to myself, what, who is this lady? We are, what, we are, we're screwed. You know, that's like right. what I'm thinking. We're screwed. And then, you know, everybody's kind of leaning back. And then as the song kind of keeps going, I found all of us and I look around and like at the end of the song, I was, she just had us. Like it sure. was like we were wrapped around her finger and I was I was amazed at when, when greatness meets greatness with no judgment in those moments, there's magic and you can't, you can't meet other moments or people and have that moment of magic. You can't meet them. If you don't bring your full self, if you're leaving half of yourself at home or you're pretending to be a more male version of yourself going into work, because you think that that's what that work is calling upon. It's actually the opposite is true right now. The thing that is going to solve so many of our problems is feminine leadership and it's the ability to be able to call on all these different parts of ourselves and then utilize that and whatever is necessary into whatever the task at hand is that is leadership and that is a leadership that i'll follow you might have seen that i recently released a book called simple and free which is a newly updated version of seven, which I wrote 10 years ago. In it, I devote a whole chapter to minimizing waste in service of better caring for this beautiful earth we call home. And to this day, I am a stickler about those three R's, reduce, reuse, and recycle. But here's the thing. I love to see socially responsible brands operating with the same care for the planet. That is where Rothy's comes in. This is a company that is reducing its footprint literally by crafting shoes and handbags out of thread made from 100 million plastic water bottles that would have otherwise been ocean bound. 
Rothy's has adorable wrap sandals, flats, you name it, all super comfy, like walking on clouds. And my go-to from them is always the lace-up sneakers. I have them in vanilla, which is just the right shade of warmish white. But I'm also loving their summery colors like spearmint and lilac for a really fun pop of color. Here's what I also love. Anytime I need to clean these sneakers, I just toss them in the washing machine and they come out fresh and good as new. It's like magic. So get summer started on the right foot by upgrading your closet and shopping sustainably with washable, stylish shoes and bags from Rothy's. You can check out all their latest collections available right now at rothys.com slash for the love. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash for the love. Oh, do I ever love them. So couple of takeaways here. Glennon talked about how it is impossible to unknow something, right? Once anyone has the courage to imagine how wonderful their life could be, they can't step back and pretend that that's impossible because there is power actually in imagining the life you wish to have, the life you can have, the life you deserve. I know that it is scary to begin to consider the work that needs to go into that to to see that through. Believe me, I know. But if we just ignore the doing part, like all the steps to get there for just a second, like how could our lives be filled with that sense of potential, right? This incredible wonderment of what could be. I think that's exciting to think about. And if we really can embrace that as a possibility, everything else will follow in its steps, right? It really, really will. I think, though, for me, one of the most powerful topics that stood out to me while chatting with these two powerhouses is their unfaltering belief in women. It's so inspiring to me. It It's contagious, you know? I think we've probably all been there, this thinking that, you know, we have a seat at the table, but it's kind of a fake seat, right? It's not a gateway into making any real decisions or bringing real value or being honored or respected for what, you know, we have to contribute. And so I love how Glennon shared that if women actually got all that they wished for, the imbalanced relationships of our world would falter and collapse. That is my favorite thing. That is my absolute favorite thing. Women are trustworthy because we love good and beautiful things. She said, the world would end, and that's exactly what we want, so that we can rebuild lives and relationships and institutions and religions and nations that are built on justice. Oh, oh my gosh. I am waving my white hanky. I want that too. That's the world I want to live in for sure. I love them both. Surely you're following Glennon and Abby online. If you're not, please do, because not only are they such good leaders toward everything that really matters in life right now, but they're funny. (laughs) Funny, 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 funny. I live for their funny. Love them, love them, love them, and love you. Love you. Thanks for downloading today. More to come, and I'll see you next week.